What's up, world? Welcome to the Melanin Money Show, the official destination for personal finance, entrepreneurship, and wealth building for melanin millionaires. We will teach you the tools, the tips, the tactics, the hacks, and strategies you need to learn to become financially free so that you can be the wealth starter and legacy lever for your family. And I'm your host, George Action Palm, accompanied by co-hosts Jacqueline Shattuck and Carter Cofield. If you're ready to begin your journey to become a melanin millionaire, tune in, take notes, and let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Melanin Money Show. I almost did it, y'all, but I'm getting better. I caught myself. Um, I almost said our former podcast name because whenever it's just me and Jacqueline, it reminds me of those days when we were recording on the Uncensored Show, which is still amazing content, by the way. So guys, if you binged all of the Melanin Money Show episodes and you want to go get some great content, um, go check out the Uncensored Show, which we archived or I guess stopped recording new episodes once we launched the Melanin Money Show, right? But Jacqueline, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, we're missing Carter. It's it's Black Equity Con time. Okay. So everybody is traveling. We're moving around. We still wanted to get our regular podcast out on Wednesday. So I'm feeling I'm feeling good. I'm feeling pumped. I'm feeling ready. It's a it's about to be a paid girl summer. So paid, sorry guys. Not a girl summer, paid girl summer. <laughs> sorry guys. It's about to be a paid girl summer. Which- not sure if you guys heard that, but that was somebody just joining the Melanin Millionaires Club. Shout out to the Melanin Millionaires Club, um, which is a perfect segue into kind of what we're going to talk about a little bit today. So, you know, what we see on the internet is no shortage of people teaching you how to make money. I mean, you got Turo, you got Airbnb, you got stock trading, you got learn to run paid Facebook. Ad. I mean, literally the hustles are in a good way. I mean, that in a derogatory way. The hustles are endless. To that end, you have companies like ClickFunnels who you can get a million dollars through a sales funnel award, seven, seven, was it two comma club award for making seven figures, right? So everybody is recognizing people for making the bag, right? The challenge is before these hustles emerged, athletes were making the bag, entertainers were making the bag. So it's not that people people of color, namely, have not figured out how to make money. The challenge is they have maybe not figured out the best way to manage and maximize those resources and really have that true measuring stick of of wealth, which is net worth, right? And so our goal in the Melanin Millionaires Club, right, is to help you achieve your first, keyword first, first 1 million in net worth, right? Your first 1 million in net worth. And so your question might be, well, man, Jacqueline, that is amazing. But how do we get there? And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the Melanin Millionaire Milestone Map. I know that's a mouthful. We'll probably change the name on that, right? That's a mouthful. But for today, <laughs> it's the Melanin Millionaire Milestone Map, which is going to be a blueprint to show you the path to becoming a Melanin Millionaire. I think that, yeah, we'll just the name. but. Name aside, like all the information that you need is there, right? And this stat opened up my mind to a lot of things. So have you seen all over the internet, George, where everybody is talking about being a billionaire now? Like uh, I probably should, but I don't I don't know if there's something specific that I missed. But I mean, I think in general, I've I've kind of get the sentiment that people have like, you know, like 
feel like they're, it's attainable and it's something that they're going to achieve. But is there something specific that I missed that people have been talking about? No, I just feel like I've been seeing it a lot. Like a lot of people are like, oh, here's the billionaire blueprint. Oh, I'm going to be the next billionaire. Oh, billionaire this, billionaire that. And I was like, y'all talking really big. Like people, we didn't talk like this before. Like millionaire mm-hmm. is still scary to some people. So mm-hmm. I was just kind of, you know, Google University. I was like, let me look up this billionaire stat and let me look into this. Yeah. And the statistic is that there's 2,977, I believe, billionaires in the world. Mm-hmm. I think that's a lot. What do you think about that? I think 2,000. I mean, given the scale of, of like, I think some, sometimes people don't realize, and I wish I had this stat in front of me, but like the scale of comparison between 1 million and 1 billion. Because I think some people like really, and I don't even think I really grasp the scale until I saw the stat. But let's, let's just say it's very different. It's almost like, some, and I'm not going to butcher it, but it's like in, in time, a million dollars is like, let's just say so many seconds or whatever it was, like 67 seconds compared to like 37 years or something crazy it was um, to be a billionaire. Again, I'm going to find that stat, guys. I'll have Donald put in the show notes. I, you, you can promise me that. But it's a very, very big different scale. So to your point, Jacqueline, yeah, I think to know that there's over 2,000 people that are billionaires. And of course, we only hear about a handful of them. It does seem like a pretty big number. Relatively yeah. speaking. So thinking, I was like, hmm, there's almost 3,000 billionaires. I just felt like that was more attainable. I was like, hmm, okay, there's 3,000 billionaires. I thought there was like four or five. Like, I thought it was like this, you know, thing, like most people can't get to that. But it's like, no, there's actually 3,000 people. Like, 3,000 people is a lot. That's a lot of people. Like, think about you in a room with 3,000 people. 3,000. What if all the billionaires got together in like one room and we got invited to that same room because we That's were the room we need to be in. Billionaires Club. Black we have to change from Melanin Millionaires Club to Black Billionaires Club. <laughs> but um, also 1700 people become millionaires every day. Yeah. I think that's a lot too. So I feel like the, there's a possibility. There is the opportunity. There is the option. And I think a lot of people just need to know, hey, this is an option for you. This is a possibility. But also I had a, an in-person event and some people came this last week based on a podcast. So, hey, shout out to y'all. Um, TJ specifically. TJ, he came to the brunch. We got to chop it up at brunch. Uh, appreciate you. And, you know, I just want people to know like, hey, this is an option for you. You know, he sat there and he said, you guys have opened up my mind to so much. And I appreciate y'all for that. And that's what we're here to do today. Amazing. Amazing. So guys, let's get into this, this roadmap, right? And we've broken this roadmap across five different pillars. And if you're in the Melanin Millionaires Club this month, we're going to dive deep on this and also talk to you about how the specific content resources and tools that you'll have available in the club will map back to achieving these milestones. Okay. So pillar number one is income allocation, right? And why is income allocation important? And that's the fancy way of just saying, how much of your money do you t- duck away for saving, investing, and just ultimately moving you closer towards building that million dollar net worth and not just spending it on consumption, right? So when you're first starting out, right, we hear people like throw the arbitrary number of like, well, at least you save 10% of your income, right? Which is a good, a good starting point, right? But in, in the Melanin Millionaires Club, one thing that makes us unique is we have 
again, we're all about long-term, you know, sustainable wealth, but we just firmly believe that you don't have to wait until you're 65 plus to become financially independent, or as Jacqueline likes to put it, work optional. We just, we just firmly believe that you don't have to wait until you're 65 to do it. Now, I'm not saying that if based upon your current trajectory and timeline, that's what you're on pace to do. Kudos to you because some people never get a chance to truly become financially independent, right? So I'm not saying that it's bad. We just believe that there's a better, more efficient way to do it. And one of the easiest ways to do that is is turning the lever on how much of the money that you earn that you're able to allocate towards building wealth. So it's just a simple math, right? If I make $50,000 and currently I can only allocate $5,000 a year towards building wealth, if I made $100,000, right, then in all things remaining constant, at minimum, I should be, allocate, be able to allocate 10,000. But realistically, if I don't radically increase my expenses, that second $50,000 that I'm now making, I should be able to allocate even more money towards building wealth. And if you're able to do that, that means you're going to get to your goal faster. So income allocation at its core is about determining how much of your money you can allocate towards building wealth and then understanding what levers you can pull to do that. One of the levers is making more. One of the levers is now that I've decreased my debt, I have more available cash flow to allocate, right? Um, and just your overall money management skills. So that's the first pillar of how you achieve your first 1 million in net worth is making sure that you're incrementally increasing how much money you allocate towards building wealth. And we got, we currently our current range is from 10% to 50%. But of course, if you get to a place where you can allocate 60, 70, you know, more power to you. Um, but Jacqueline, any thoughts on that? Yeah, so this is the question of how much of my money am I supposed to be saving? And I'd like to tell people it's all of your money, like as much as possible, honestly, because the more that you can save, the quicker that you're going to get to that financial freedom number. Right. And so when we say 10 percent, like that's like a rule of thumb. And I tell everybody we all have different thumbprints, so it doesn't make sense for us all to save 10 percent of our income. Also, I like that. We all have different thumbprints. <laughs> we do. And and so we all have different, right? We all have different money that we make. We all have different expenses. And so everybody has to figure out what this percentage is based on their income. But I think the most important thing is that no matter what your income allocation is to saving, no matter what you decide to save, continue to increase it every year. You know, it said you should get a health checkup at least once a year. My question is, when's the last time you had a financial health checkup? My guess, it's probably been a while. And that's why we created the Wealth Health Score. Whether you're financially out of shape or financially elite, the Wealth Health Score is going to tell you exactly where you stand and what things you can do to get into the best financial health possible. So visit MyWealthHealthScore.com to get your score today. Right, Right, because I think... When you start to think in percentages, it's going to help you to become a better investor and to become more disciplined because I had to start to think about my money in percentages. And it started with the grocery store. I was like, okay, I can buy this item or I can buy that item. And I was like, what is the price difference here? Now, the price difference may only be a dollar, but depending on what the item is, you may be paying 100 percent more for this other item. 
So when it comes to saving and income allocation, look in ways of percentages, right? Even when you start, we're going to talk about investing. Even when you start investing, look in ways of percentages, right? Because it's really easy to get discouraged and say, dang, I only made $100. But what percentage was that? Was that $100, 100% of the money that you made? That's pretty good. I like that. So when you're looking at the income allocation, determine that number that you need to save in a percentage and continue to increase that percentage. That is such a great revelation because literally just yesterday, I'll spot on this is, yesterday I was talking to one of my portfolio companies that I invest in as an angel investor. And one of their product engineers, ironically enough, he wasn't even on the finance team. He was like, we keep talking about our month, our growth rate and how much, how many members we want to have or whatever. He was like, let's focus more on the percentage growth because that is going to be an alternative metric that let us know the progress we're making. So for example, let's just let's speak to the entrepreneur that's just getting started. You see all these people talking about, oh my gosh, I have uh, a community with 10,000 members. Or I have this, I have that. You, you immediately get discouraged. You're like, 10,000, how am I ever going to get 100, right? But let's just say right now you have two. And then next month you get two more, right? If your goal is 100, then yes, that two in the moment is not going to seem like you put a real big dent in the 100. But technically, from a percentage standpoint, you increased your membership by 100%, right? In the following month, right? So yes, we don't like... You want to use percentages. I mean, obviously you want to be mindful. You don't want to trick yourself because sometimes people use percentages to trick themselves too, right? So you don't want to use it to trick yourself into thinking that you're further along, but it can be a great metric to let you know like, okay, relative to where I was before, this is great progress, right? And the other thing I really like about percentages too is like it can help you standardize your savings and investing rate. So let's say that you say, you know, matter what, rain, sleet, or snow, I'm in investing slash saving 20%. And we're going to, this is Jacqueline's point, we're going to get more detail about wealth building pillars, but 10 to 20%, right? And even if you, if your income doubles, right? And all you do is invest this or save the same percentage, it's still going to increase significantly, right? And that's like an easy hack because like, if you don't do that, then you, you know, in lifestyle creep creeps in then it's like, okay, you don't really revisit how much you should save and invest. But if you know, by default, I can make a hundred dollars or a hundred thousand, 20% of my income is getting allocated. It's a default way to make sure that you're always improving your goals towards building wealth. So I actually love the idea of thinking about things in percentages. Yeah. I love that idea too. And I think the biggest thing about pillar one, and then we'll talk about pillar two, the biggest thing about pillar one and your income allocation, it's literally not for us to sit here and say like, oh, um, you know, you're not doing good because you're doing 10%. You need to be saving 50%. It's really not about that. It's really just about Mm -hmm. you building the discipline. That's all it's about. It's about you building the discipline, the financial discipline to know, okay, I can set this aside. I can delay this gratification for later. That's what it's really about. Mm -hmm. And another thing too, as we've transitioned to pillar two, is one other easy wealth hack is right now, regardless of what you might think, even if it's a struggle, if it's a hassle, if it's not that easy, you are finding a way to live off of whatever, whatever you're making today whatever it is, right? And yes, there's some of us out there who might be temporarily um, bridging their lifestyle with like debt and things of that nature. But by and large, you're, survive- you're making it work with one. So 
One easy hack is get another revenue stream. And outside of like any high interest debt or just things that you got to take care of, try to allocate 100% of that towards your wealth building goals. Like, I don't care if the side hustle only makes you 500 a month or a thousand a month or whatever it is. If you now have an income stream exclusively dedicated to building wealth while still incrementally like doing whatever you were doing with your base income, that's going to be a hack to really, really help accelerate things as well. So think about ways that you can, you know, and again, we have plenty of educational side hustles and how to make money in different ways. But when you get that side hustle, don't just immediately think like, oh, this is my side hustle to leave my job. You know what I'm saying? Like this might be your side hustle to really amplify your ability to build wealth and save, right? And that can give you the cushion and the comfort to feel more confident at some point in the near future leaving your job. Like leaving your job is not, Working, let's just quick tangent. Working period is not the end of the world. Don't let LLC Twitter confuse you. There are a lot of full-time entrepreneurs who are full-time stressed, right? And there's a lot of uh, full-time employees who are living in bliss. They take their two, three weeks in PTO. They clock out at five, ain't got nothing else to think about, spend time with their family, go to every happy hour, go to every brunch. And I'm not, again, I'm not here to tell you which one is better or worse, All I'm saying is don't let people shame you into thinking that an honest living through a job is a crime, right? It it can honestly be something that gives you a ton of peace of mind because entrepreneurship is not easy. Now, those who go that path, they understand that and they, they, they get it, right? But don't also feel like you're obligated to do that or that you're less than because you've decided to maybe do a hybrid approach or maybe have a side hustle and decide that I don't necessarily want to leave my job right now. Like maybe at some point I will because I have this extra income, but I'm content. Like that is okay. And I want, I just want to reiterate that because we live in a generation now where everybody's a successful entrepreneur. And when I look at the other stats, we talk, we get some stats about billionaire and millionaire, but there are some other stats out there about credit card debt and how much money people have in savings and all sorts of stuff, which is why we exist to eradicate that. And the math ain't mathing. Everybody ain't getting to the bag. Don't let these screenshots revenue, a whole nother podcast episode, screenshots fool you into thinking that everybody is getting to it. Me and Jacqueline are financial advisors. We've worked with plenty of clients and, you know, clients and people that we probably couldn't work with who y'all might've thought, right, was like out here getting to it. And it's all about what you keep. So in in, in fear of like, you know, stepping on anybody's toes, we're going to keep it rolling. All right. So, Personal finance is pillar number two. Personal finance, guys. So personal finance pillar is the one that probably will make the most sense. Most people have the most awareness about. And we actually have some specific milestones and markers. There could, this, I'm not saying this is exhaustive, but these are some key markers that if you do these, you are going to be on the path to financial independence and achieving your first one million in net worth, right? So Jacqueline, let's just go bullet point for bullet point, okay? I'll do the first one. So the first one is fully funded emergency fund, right? And the industry standard is that an emergency fund is three to six months or more of your, so at least three, but up to six months plus of your core living expenses so that if you ever lose your primary source of income, you have a runway to be able to still pay your bills. Because guess what? If you lose your job or if your business is not doing well, you can't call your mortgage company or your leasing office. You can't call BMW and say, hey, money ain't the money ain't flowing right now. I need you to pause them payments. Now, if, if a pandemic happens, 
Uncle Joe might be able to do something like student loans and things of that nature. But other than that, um, them bills going to still keep flowing, right? And if you don't want your credit score to take a hit, you got to have the money or get kicked out of your house or apartment. You got to have the money to make sure that you're still able to keep up with those bills. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have a personal financial advisor that you could ask questions to, to help you navigate, you know, spending decisions, help you, you know, figure out investments that make sense for you to help you achieve financial success? Well, you no longer have to wonder that because we created that inside the Melanin Millionaires Club with our flagship feature, Pocket Advisor. With Pocket Advisor, it's just like it sounds. You have an advisor right in your pocket where you can ask a real expert, real questions in real time to help you navigate your journey towards financial success. So if you want to learn more about that, click the link in the show notes, go to melaninmoney.com forward slash pocket advisor to learn how you can get an advisor in your pocket for less than $2 a day. So that's pillar number one, having a fully funded emergency fund. Exactly. And so you need to have that fully funded emergency fund, start building up that discipline, right? And managing your money properly. And while you're doing that, I want you to eliminate any consumer debt. This is the second part of pillar number two, eliminating consumer debt. And when we're talking about consumer debt, we're really talking about that undisciplined money that you spent. That credit card that you maxed out on vacations or just random things to enhance your lifestyle that you weren't using to make you more money, right? Because if you were using it to make you more money, then you would pay off that credit card. So we're talking about excessive consumer debt, right? You don't want to be carrying around this heavy weight of debt on your back, especially as we head for another recession, okay? Correct. Right? Recessions are literally always coming. We don't want to use this as a scare tactic for you guys. It's not a media hack, but literally we have to be prepared for that next recession. And that's a lot of what personal finance is about, right? Being able to manage our money through economic Uh highs and lows. And so that first pillar is having the emergency expenses. The second part of the pillar is taking care of excessive consumer debt and not carrying that. Number three, George. Yes, is fully executed cash flow plan. Right. So again, you have to tell your money where you want it to go so you don't have to wonder where it went. Right. So we're so you if you log into your online banking, you'll be able to see any well, a month. We literally, as of this recording, is the beginning of a month. So you can look back at all of your last month's transactions. And I will, I'm willing to bet that the average listener has about 40 to 50, 40 to 60 transactions. And I'm, I'm talking about everything, all the money going out, food, gas. Oh, it hurts my heart to say gas. Tesla, I need to go. I should have got that Tesla when I was talking about it. But food, gas, uh, entertainment, your, your mortgage or your rent payment, your car payment, all the times that money flows out of your account, right? I'm willing to bet 40 to 60 times, somewhere in that range, maybe a little less, maybe a little more, right? However, we don't necessarily define for the money that is left over, right? Or the money, excuse me, the money, because you should pay yourself first. We don't necessarily define where we're allocating the money that we're keeping, right? Because some of us just say, oh, I'm gonna just transfer a few hundred bucks or that percentage to my savings account. The problem with that is what I've learned over the years is there's a psychology of saving, right? So what happens is when you log into your online banking, you see money going out, money going out, money going out you're conditioned to psychologically think that's what money's supposed to do. It comes in, it goes out, comes in, it goes out. So when you don't have a defined place to put the money that you're keeping, what happens is that money's going to start running away because it's like, well, 
I got to do something. And what you, what you believe money does is it goes out for an expense. So the way that you hack that is you have a defined cash flow plan. So maybe you have like a major expense account, right? And in that major expense account, you know, this is earmarked for your traveling that you want to do this year. Or if you know your laptop's about to give out on you or these things that you know you're going to need to spend money on in the near future, right? And you've already defined it. Maybe you have that emergency fund, right? You know that every month money is getting allocated there that we just talked about. Then you have... Uh, let's say like a emergency reserves account. And that's for like, okay, well, I have some expenses that don't happen every single month, but they're going to happen at some point throughout the year. I just don't know exactly how much it's going to cost, when it's going to happen, you know, things of that nature, like medical bill deductibles or um, gifts for family members, things of that nature. So you can organize it however you want to organize it, but you want to predetermine these different buckets that you want to allocate money towards so that now you're conditioned that, Money is going, when money goes to my emergency fund, I might nickname it my peace of mind account. So that way it's psychologically harder to dip into that account because who wants to take away from their peace of mind? Not me, right? So that's another hack. Think of naming your account something that is going to inspire you to not only make deposits, but also inspire you to not dip into it when you get a little weary or a little weak, right? So that's pillar, that's the third bullet point our third one under the personal finance pillar. And now that I'm thinking, looking at all the bullet points, we probably won't go through them on every single one. We will finish it on personal finance because personal finance is like the bedrock of this whole strategy. But as we go through the other pillars, we'll probably just kind of glaze over some of them um, so that we don't make this too long. But that being said, Jacqueline, any thoughts on that as we head into the next bullet point of, of the personal finance pillar? Yeah, the next couple points are really together, right? And it's important for you to understand how to use your credit properly, right? And so a lot of times proper use of credit is going to have you somewhere around a 700 or above. So if you're not already at a 700 credit score, we really want you to get there as quickly as possible, right? So we've got a lot of resources inside of the community, but that's very key, right? There's a difference between having a good credit score and not having a credit score. And on average, that costs consumers $112,000 over a 30-year period. So it can be a six-figure detriment to you to not have a 700 plus credit score, okay? So it's really important that we're focusing on using credit to our advantage, right? using credit to leverage the rewards points, leverage all of the extras that you get just from having the credit card. Like a lot of people don't think about using the credit card for their lifestyle, right? So think about it like this. I heard somebody say that if you don't like to travel, you're doing it wrong. And if you don't like to travel, it's probably because you have never had a premium travel experience. You have probably never experienced the Sky Lounge. You've probably never experienced first class or you don't on a regular basis. And so you think that traveling isn't fun or it's not for you. And I think that once you've experienced those things and once you've experienced those things for free, because you've gotten to use your credit card to upgrade you, to get you into lounges for free, to get you through security much, much faster, right? your travel experience goes up, mm -hmm. right? And so you're leveraging your credit to build your lifestyle, okay? That's another part of personal finance, using money as a tool. That's all we're talking about here. And so right. leveraging your credit to enhance your lifestyle 
major key alert. Yeah, and it's a really major key alert because there's mixed reviews from some people in personal finance. So they're like, never use a credit card, pay off your debt, cut up your credit cards immediately. And the reason for that is because they don't believe you. They don't believe in you. They believe that I want to save you from yourself. And if you don't have access to a credit card, then you can't get in debt, right? Because they're only looking at it from the lens of debt. They're not looking at it from the fact that, and I'm going to do a whole probably video on this on another day. But like this year has been a light travel year for me because I'm a parent um, and I haven't even gotten on an airplane yet, right? So far, it's just been a couple of road trips here and there. My first airplane is to Black Equity Con this year, um, which is tomorrow. See you at Black Equity Con. <laughs> um, and so I say that to say, however, when I went down to Atlanta to do a live podcast with Jacqueline and crew, um, we drove and we stayed at the Ritz, right? And so I used my Amex Platinum and I got the room for free for those two nights. We got using points. I got uh, breakfast free for both nights, for both, for both days. And we got a hundred dollar credit and we used that for room service the night that we got there. Right. And that was, and that's, and that was just off that trip alone. So I say that to say, don't let these people scare you, like get your money management plan in place and then use credit to get stuff for free. And we always give you guys a hack. Now here's the thing. You shouldn't be doing anything. Well, here's my hack. Anything that I spend on my credit card or anything I leverage my credit card for, I would have the cash to do. Right. That's about my, my personal rule, even with the free stuff. So that being said, what I do is even when I'm able to leverage rewards points, I automatically transfer that amount of money that I was about to spend towards a saving and or investing goal. That's just what I do, right? Because if I had to make this trip anyway, and it just so happens, oh shoot, I got rewards points. It's going to drive my cost down. That means that money that was already budgeted for that is now free and available to save, invest, or pay off debt. That's a hack that I want you to do, which can supercharge your ability to build wealth while also um, learning how to leverage your credit in the process. What's going on, guys? George Pong here, and I am the founder of Melanin Money, the number one brand for wealth builders of color. You know, I look at wealth building like a sport. In every sport, you got to have a uniform. And so what is the official uniform for wealth builders of color? That's where Melanin Money comes in. So if you go to melaninmoney.com and use code MELANIN15, you'll get 15% off your order of the entire store. And I think you're going to absolutely love our latest additions, right? It's literally a um, productized emotion of what it feels like to build black wealth, right? But you get to wear it. Um, you get to share the world, like your hard work that you're doing on this journey of building wealth. And we can't wait for you to join Team Black Wealth by shopping melaninmoney.com. I like it. I like it a lot. I think awesome. one of yeah, I think one of the Maybe last it. pieces, one of the last pieces we wanted to talk um, about on this first pillar is understanding taxes really like you really need to understand the tax code okay not only on a federal level but also on a state level as well taxes are going to be the biggest expense that you ever pay in your life if you don't understand them okay so understanding that the tax code is written to benefit entrepreneurs and real estate owners investors and then you're going to understand the tax code a whole lot more because a lot of people think that, oh, there's a tax code for the rich and there's a tax code for the poor. And it's the same tax code. It's just all about how you use it. That's a fact. That's a fact. 
And the quickest hack to that is becoming an entrepreneur, right? Or a business owner, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't have to be anything fancy. If you just have a business, an LLC, right? And you have legitimate things like card. We don't have our resident tax expert on the episode, but I think us two financial experts can, we can do, we can give a little, give y'all a little sauce. But if you have that LLC, right? Now expenses that were previously personal can some of them, right? If documented the right way, can now become professional or business expenses, which simply means things that I was already spending money on anyway, now I can get a tax deduction for, which inherently is going to allow me to keep more money in my bank account. Yeah, right? so, so let that me is the share, Well, let me share like a quick um, real situation. Like, I think this might help people. So I had a client, she came to me and she had the regular corporate job. They've been working her corporate job for years. But she wanted to venture out and do her own thing. So in her venturing out to do her own thing, she hired a business coach. Well, guess what? She didn't make any money that first year in business. And she knew why, because she didn't execute. That was on her. But Mm -hmm. she had a loss in her business of at least $20,000. So guess what? Mm. Legally, she's allowed to take that $20,000 deduction from the income that she made in her real job. Right. So that W-2 income, she was allowed to deduct the $20,000 loss and it dropped her down to not having a whole lot of income tax being owed. Right. So that's how that works. And that could work for you, too. Now, we don't really want you taking losses in your business, but understanding how the tax code works. Boom. Pillar one. Exactly. Exactly. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. So that was technically pillar two. But so so pillar one, income allocation. Pillar two, personal finance. Pillar three, this is not the super sexy one. So we promise we won't spend as much time on it, but it's a must thing you got to do, right? And that's risk management, right? So we are going to talk about building wealth here in a second. We already talked about the income that you're making, all the money that's raining down. Um, we talked about the management through personal finance, but none of that matters if we don't protect ourselves against risk known and unknown. You want to know one big risk that everybody knows? You're going to die. Right. And I know that doesn't sound super exciting, but we all at some point are going to die. Right. Hopefully, for most of us, it's of natural causes in old age. You know, especially now with people, us switching it up and vegan. I saw Jacqueline making noodles and meals that wasn't even really noodles and super healthy stuff. Right. So hopefully, we're going to live to be, well, I'll say hopefully, I don't know if you want to live to be 100. I don't know. But hopefully, we live long, healthy lives, is my point. However, even if you live the longest and healthiest life, you're still going to die, right? So life insurance is a way to protect, right, what that looks like, right? Because at the end of the day, if you die prematurely or unexpected, that means you're essentially interrupting your wealth building journey. It doesn't mean the goals that you have for your family or your legacy or whoever you care about, it doesn't mean that those change. It just means that you didn't get to the full fruition of what that is. And so life insurance can become that bridge to overcome that right? To make sure that that there's an infusion of capital at your untimely demise, right? And even if you live a long, fruitful, healthy life, life insurance can be a very efficient way to cover expenses because, you know, when life insurance proceeds are done the right way, they're going to be distributed tax-free. And when you die, right, sometimes there's like stuff that has to be figured out, right? Like you got this family member that's getting something and this family member, and if you don't have a will or a trust, it's probate and all this financial jargon we won't bore you with, but having an infusion of capital at, at, at death allows there to be money to take care of what needs to be taken care of, why all that stuff is being sorted through and figured out as well um, and not being held up. So life insurance is a key part of building wealth in the risk management pillar. 
Yeah, it really is. And I think what we're really talking about in this third pillar is asset protection, right? We're talking about protecting our assets and we forget that our lives ourselves are our biggest asset, right? Like our mental, how we think about things, how we operate. That's our biggest asset. Your life is your biggest asset. And so in protecting your biggest asset and your ability to produce income, we have to protect that with another insurance that we call disability insurance, right? So making sure that you have making sure that you have short-term and long-term disability insurance is really key to this risk risk management milestone and pillar three, protecting your largest asset, which is your ability to produce income. Yeah. And I want to share this quick story with you guys that really helped open my mind up about the importance of disability insurance. So as you guys probably know, I've been in the financial services industry for a little over, dang, 10, 11 years at this point. And I started out on the insurance side of things. And uh, this guy who was in, was a disability wholesaler, which is basically someone who wants you to sell their products. He came in and gave us a story. I'll give him credit for it. I know that I don't give him credit for it. I just, I, I, I made it up. I'm gonna give you credit for it today, Mr. Whatever your name was. And so the story was, imagine that in your closet, you had an ATM machine that every two weeks produced $2,000, like clockwork, right? Every two weeks produced $2,000. All you had to do is go in, boop, 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 and it was going to spit out $2,000. Now he said, would you protect that machine? And he's like, yeah, okay, you probably would have bolts and all sorts of stuff on your, on your closet door to make sure that nobody could get access to that machine because it's literally a money machine, right? And he said, the average American makes about you know $50,000 a year. And so every two weeks, right? you spit out about a couple thousand dollars, right? Depending upon what your income is. Question is, are you protected, right? Do you have protection on the ATM machine that is you? And the way that you do that is through disability insurance. Because at the end of the day, you're actually three times more likely to become temporarily disabled than you are to die prematurely. That's good news, meaning that you're probably going to live a long, healthy life, but there's three, you're three times more likely to get temporarily hurt or sick where you are temporarily out of work, right? Prime example, I had a, I had a spinal fusion surgery, you know, couldn't work, right? Was out of, was kind of out of it for, for a couple of months, right? And there's plenty of us through, through our journey, especially women, right? You might have like a pregnancy complication or something that technically considered is counted as a disability, or you just might be out longer or whatever the case may be. And so you having this type of insurance is key because unless right now you are living, uh, well, if you're, put it like this, if you don't have, an indefinite amount of money saved so that if something happened to you that you could still cover all your bills, then you need to have a mechanism in place that can give you that income if and when you get hurt. So disability insurance is actually one I really, really advocate for. So we're going to breeze through these other ones really quickly in the spirit of time. You also want to make sure that you have quality health insurance, uh, that you have property and casualty insurance, right? For like auto home, all that good stuff. And also an umbrella policy. Right. And we'll go into more details on like what those are if you're interested in the club. But we want to be respectful of your time on the podcast and just know that. And I like asset protection might even change that to the name of the pillar. But risk management milestones, asset protection like that is a key part of getting to your number. Right. So now let's move on to the one that everybody is excited about. Right. Pillar number four, which are your wealth building 
milestones. So Jacqueline, let's start us off on this. Let's just talk a little bit about what are some of the things that are the markers of success that can let people know that they're marching in the right direction when they're building towards their $1 million network? Mm, Good question. So when we're looking at pillar four and we're talking about wealth building milestones, the key here is for you to be buying more assets, right? So the name of the game is using your income to buy more assets. Okay. So as we're getting started on our journey, it's really important that we are maxing out our investment accounts if we can, right? So the best place for you to start is with a maxed out retirement plan or a 401k if your job offers one or maybe a SEP Mm -hmm. IRA, right? Now, if your job doesn't offer one, you can actually create one through your own company. But it's really important Mm -hmm. that we're maxing that out and you can do $20,000 a year. So you want to start there. You want to take advantage of the company match. okay? and then from there, you've got options where you can max out your Roth and you can also max out an IRA as well. So we want to make sure that we're just putting up as much money as possible and we're getting to that work optional point. Well, we want to get there. And the only way to do that is to buy more assets. What's up, guys? Have you ever been just like chilling on the couch and trying to find something to watch on Netflix and you're browsing, you're scrolling and you just can't seem to find anything that you either one haven't already watched or just doesn't seem that interesting? Well, I have the solution for you, because if you're listening to the Melanin Money Show, then I know that you care about taking your financial life to the next level. And that's exactly why we created Financial Flicks. So instead of Netflix and chill, you can financial flicks and chill and you can find on demand videos across personal finance, wealth building and entrepreneurship. And right now you can test drive financial flicks for just a dollar by clicking the link in the show notes. Go to melaninmoney.com forward slash financial flicks and check out all of the on demand videos we have, plus all the other features that you'll get access to by joining today. Correct. Correct. Uh, Couldn't agree more. And then to Jacqueline's point, you know, the goal is to max those accounts out, right? But maybe you're not at a point where you can max them all out, but you at least want to go back to her point about the habit, the consistency of making those contributions. So set up an automated and recurring contribution to those same accounts that you might not be able to max out yet. So whether it's a Roth, whether it's a traditional 401k, and then you can even also do a brokerage account which doesn't have really any limitations on how much you can contribute, right? So that way, regardless of where you are on your journey, you're predetermining that every month, I don't care if it's 10 bucks, 100 bucks, 1,000 bucks, whatever it is, you know that you're automating your wealth building. And I'm probably gonna say this on several podcasts, but Jacqueline told y'all that everybody should have, I'm a stock market investor in their bio because guess what? If you set up a $10 automated contribution, to an investment account where it's automatically buying like in a part of an index fund or something like that, or a fractional share of your favorite company. I'm whispering it's like a secret, but it's not a secret, right? <laughs> so set up those recurring contributions, right? To again, Roth IRA, traditional IRA, and or brokerage account. Because if you do that, you're going to win because guess what? Automation trumps determination. Have you ever had an automated like savings account at a bank that you don't use that frequently and then you randomly log in? You're like, oh, shoot, I got a little more money than I thought I did. I forgot all about it. Right. So that's a hack. Maybe like it's definitely with your investment accounts, but even with your savings account, like maybe set that, set up that emergency fund at a bank that you don't like use every day. Cause we all got that bank. What's that one card we use for everything? 
but maybe set up that emergency fund elsewhere because then you just randomly log in. You're like, oh shoot, I'm lit. You thought you was broke and then you logged into the other account and, th- and now you're balling. But the key is not to spend that money. Um, so set up recurring contributions. Now, Jacqueline, can you chime in? And this is what I'm really excited about because if you start to do these things, then you're going to start to reach markers along the journey of your first 1 million in net worth, which we are going to celebrate you in the club as you do that. And before I transition this point to Jacqueline, this is what we want to be known for, right? We, we, yes, we share information about how you can make more money because why income allocation helps you build well, right? But we mainly care about you literally having that marker of true financial success in your net worth number. It's the reason why Forbes, right? That's the number that they recognize. What is everybody wants to know? What is Jeff Bezos' net worth, or Elon Musk, or Kanye? Because that is a true measure of wealth. And so that's why, as I transition this point to Jacqueline, these are the milestones we want to help you achieve along your journey. Yeah, I think it's important to have that larger vision, right? And so, as we keep talking about these wealth building milestones. Remember that you need to have a larger, big picture vision and the best way for you to do that. So let's say that million dollars is what you are striving for. Right. Which is what we hope you should write million dollar net worth at the top of your goals list. And then from there, you should probably have a few other stepping stones, a few other points, right? That get you to that goal. And so ideally you start with that first 100K of net worth, right? That should be your very first goal. And for people who haven't calculated their net worth, for the first time, it's going to be very interesting for you, okay? But everybody needs to calculate their net worth, which is just looking at your assets versus your liabilities. And hitting that first 100K of net worth is going to be the hardest part, right? From there, I think you're going to breeze through because you have learned, okay, this is what I need to do. This is what I don't need to do. So getting that first 100K of net worth is really, really key to getting to a million. And then from there, you can put stepping stones in between 100,000 and a million that get you to that point. But I think that those key pieces of just mapping that out is really going to help. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also, as we're going through these, like, you don't necessarily have to do everything that we recommend. And we didn't necessarily even, we're not even necessarily going to include everything that's possible when it comes to wealth building milestones, because we live in an era now where there's so many different things that you can do, right? And so it's impossible to have an exhaustive list. The concept is, is this making me money? Is it an asset that's making me money, right? And if you have a creative way or something that's interesting to you, that can be a milestone in your bucket. We're just simply sharing ones that we know that are tried and true uh, that can be beneficial in your journey. So I in particular, because everyone might not want to have a real estate investment property. And I'm not saying it's essential for you building wealth. We, we just know that if we just look at the data that a lot of millionaires you know, built wealth through real estate. We also know that a lot of millionaires build wealth through the stock market, which is why we mentioned those accounts earlier in our milestones, right? So if you're a real estate aficionado or you're someone that gravitates towards real estate because it feels more tangible to you, then naturally having real estate investment properties as a part of your milestone is something that's going to be important to you, right? So that is one additional milestone that you can have as a part of it, right? And um, also I want to share that so, you know, the more broader thing here, and we'll get to a couple of the latter points, but at the end of the day, we're not doing all of this to just have a bunch of milestones. So we can like look on our wall and like, oh, I did this, I did this, and I got this in my account. 
The goal is to get to your financial independence work optional number. That's the ultimate milestone. Even honestly, above $1 million in net worth, but like, I don't know, hitting your FI number doesn't sound as sexy as like a million dollar network. Keep it, keep it real with you, right? But really, that's that's it. That's the main milestone. And so, you know, achieving financial independence. Now, Jacqueline, do you want to define for the people who just maybe aren't 100% sure what it means to be completely financially independent? What does that mean? Good question. I feel like it means something different for everybody. But what we're talking about here is the point when you can live off of your assets. You don't have to wake up and go to work anymore. That would be the ideal of financial independence. I think before we can get to financial independence, we need to have financial control, right? Just understanding Mm -hmm. of our money, where it's going, how we're using it, right? And then we get that much closer to full financial independence. Sometimes in order for us to get to this point of full financial independence, we have to leverage our assets. Right. So we may refinance a house. Right. And we may take that money that we refinance with that house and go put it into the stock market or, you know, vice versa, whatever it is to get to that number faster. We may have to do that. We may need to come up with other passive income streams, right, which are not so passive when they're first being built in order to supercharge us towards that financial independence number. So that's what I think of when I think of financial independence, having assets to cover my life so that I don't have to actively go to work every day. What do you think about that? No, I I agree wholeheartedly. And, and, And there's a strategic reason why we put these things in this order. Because you can achieve financial independence without leveraging your assets. You can just get there faster by doing that, right? You can get the financial independence without having a passive income stream. It just might make it easier because instead of, we talked about this on our last class last month, um, that if you have money that is coming from a cash flow producing asset, then you don't have to have as much money accumulated inside of an investment account. So like having these alternative things just make it easier to get to that path, but it's not mutually exclusive. So we included it in that order to let you know that if you never have a passive income stream, all you ever do is work a job and allocate 500 bucks a month in your account. Look, listen, you can do it too. Some people try to get discouraged. I don't know. I don't want to do this. I don't want to own real estate. So how am I going to leverage it? I don't, that sounds too fancy. You can do it the traditional way. We just a little bit fancier at the Melinda Millionaires Club, right? And so we like to make sure that you guys have these additional supplemental ways to be able to get to your goal faster, right? Because the longer, the quicker you get to your dream life, the longer you have to enjoy it. So we would be remiss if we didn't show you how to get to your dream life faster, right? And dream life simply meaning that you're not trading a bunch of time for money so that you can spend more time with the people that you love. You can rest more. You can spend more time doing hobbies. It's not about just like buying the Lambo or nothing like that. We don't care about that. It's about doing things that align with what you value. And we want you to be able to do more of that because the world would have you think that you have to work for 40 plus years. Then you have like 20 years to be able to enjoy it if you're lucky. And we just don't believe that. We believe that you can enjoy it now, first and foremost, without being financially independent. You can enjoy more of it once you become financially independent because you have more time. That's it. All right. So let's move into the final pillar. Unless Unless you have something you want to add to that, Jacqueline. No, I was going to say, I mean, that's the goal here, right? Is to be able to have the legacy, right? Whatever it is that legacy means to you, which is literally pillar number five. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So pillar number five is legacy and legal milestones, right? So we talked a little bit about risk management and asset protection, but the reason why we separated this is because we look at it kind of as in its own bucket, right? So the risk management milestones are going to kind of protect you like, you know, while you're here for the most part, everything is fine, you know, whatever happens. But the legacy and legal is just going to make sure that even when you're not here, right, that like what you want to happen is going to happen. And so you could do that through things like will, a trust. And these are legal documents that basically dictate what happens with the assets that you have, right? Or if you become incapacitated, like through medical directives, right? And so it's like, hey, I'm here, but like, I can't make decisions on my behalf. So who's going to make those decisions and who am I empowering to do that, right? Um, And we also, more importantly, like to think about it from a vantage point of like not just passing down the money, but also passing down the mindset. And the way that you pass down the mindset is by having some type of money mission statement, or we call it the wealthy declaration. And we actually make all of our members in the club sign this. But basically, this is so that, you know, you can really articulate why you do what you do, right? Like, why am I making these decisions financially? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for my legacy? So that when you are, no, well, number one, when you are here, you have a North Star, right? So that you're not distracted by all the things that you could do. That's the first thing. And then when you're no longer here, the people that you care about that are going to inherit this wealth, right? They know, okay, this is what George and Jacqueline would have wanted me to do. They actually taught me what to do with it. So that I don't go out and just splurge on it and do something crazy. Any thoughts on that, Jacqueline? Biggest thing I think that might have skipped over the people said is that quality time and love are generational wealth too, right? Mm-hmm. Quality time and love are generational wealth too. So as we're thinking about the legacies that we want to leave behind, we can't just think about the money, right? We've got to remember, we've got to spend that quality time. We've got to give that love to everybody. And so, you know, I love everybody that's listening to a podcast right now. I really rock with y'all. I appreciate y'all for rocking with us, you know, leaving us these five-star reviews on um, Apple Podcasts. You know, Tav left us this five-star review that said, irreplaceable absolutely helpful and pushes me towards my goals and in turn you know us pushing you towards your goals helps push us towards our goals and the legacy that we want to leave behind so we're super excited to be able to do that and i hope that this episode was helpful for you guys drop a comment below or leave us a review if it was any party words george Yes. Shout out to the YouTube family. Uh, We just crossed over our first 1000 subscribers. Uh, So appreciate you guys for tapping in on the YouTube side. Now, again, we we celebrate milestones, big and small, too. We know there's some really big YouTube pages out there, but we are very grateful for each and every one of you that have tapped in to our channel. Um, Now that we have a decent, you know, base of listeners on YouTube, Uh, We're really going to start to figure out how we can nurture you guys even more. So, guys, thank you for your diligence. We know sometimes we always shout out the reviews on um, Apple Podcasts and don't always shout you guys out. So we appreciate you guys for staying tapped in and staying tuned in. And actually, if you look in in the show notes on YouTube, we actually have a link for you guys now where you can submit your questions, right? So just in case we missed that comment, if you got a question, a personal question like that you want an answer to, we will answer that free of charge on the podcast. So make sure that you check out, you're checking out the show notes. That's where we have updates about our events, things going on inside the Melanin Millionaires Club, anything else that's exciting. And most importantly, again, 
the link to being able to submit that free advice, guys. So thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, these are the Melanin Millionaire Milestone uh, map. This is the Melanin Millionaire Milestone map. Again, I'm, I'm almost certain we're going to come up with a more abbreviated name, but nonetheless, the steps remain the same. And if you need help or guidance on achieving these steps, please join us inside the club, right? That's what we're here for. You know, melaninmoney.com forward slash join. We'd love to have you inside the club. We'd love to award you, you know, as you achieve your milestones. And here's a, here's a little spoiler alert. I'm gonna tell y'all. So you know why everybody, because I'm a marketing guy too. And you know why everybody loves ClickFunnels? I'm gonna tell you, sorry, Russell Brunson, it ain't for the software. <laughs> it ain't for the software. They love ClickFunnels because they know if they hit that milestone, they're going to get to walk across the stage like back in the day in graduation. You're going to get your diploma. They're going to get that two comma club award. That's why you love ClickFunnels. And Russell, you're a marketing genius for it. So you know what? We're going to take a card out of Russell Brunson's book and we're going to be awarding people at our live events, right? And we're going to be giving you plaques for achieving your first $1 million in network. Actually, we're going to do 100K, 500K, and a million, right? We're going to award people for their journey. Right. So get inside the club. You all have a way to verify and submit for this. Uh, this is rolling out officially in Q3, but I want to give you guys an early little secret. Um, that's something that we're going to be doing. We're super excited about it to be the only platform uh, that's specifically for people of color, recognizing you on your journey towards building wealth in a formal, comprehensive way. There's plenty of communities that are warning people for like investing and making money, and we love them too. But as you can see, making money one pillar is for more. And we want to make sure that you're doing all, doing all five and we can award you for your progress along the way. So guys, thanks so much for tuning in. If you're coming to Black Equity Con, we'll see you tomorrow. Make sure you attend our session on what, what other than building your first seven figures in net worth. So see you guys there. Check us out at our vendor booth as well. And can't wait to keep celebrating your journey of building wealth, guys. Peace. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the Melanin Money Show. If you like this episode, please do us a huge favor. Leave us a five-star review. And if you're not already, subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend because we're providing this valuable game so that you can level up as an aspiring melanin millionaire. Again, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next week.